G'day everyone and welcome to episode 79 of Double Jump Radio, the official podcast of doublejump.co. I'm your host, Abia, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, John. John, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Had a smooth week leading into the long weekend here in Australia. So, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. I haven't been playing much games, but I'll talk That's about what I have been playing. But um, <laughs> otherwise, pretty... Yeah, my voice is kind of shot, apparently. I don't know how, but it, it apparently is. So that might come up. But um, <laughs> yeah, otherwise, pretty good. How about yours? Uh, no, it's it's been good. Um, short week. Always always fun. Um, yeah, just, just been playing Halo. I'm going to... I promise I'm going to finish Dead Space over the next week. That's my plan. And <laughs> then I really want to actually get back into Star Wars Fallen Order. Um, sorry, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, I think I want to crack into that, get that done because the new one's coming out very soon. Yeah, I keep forgetting when it's actually coming out. Like I know it's coming out soon, it's, but I don't know. What I the think date is. I, I think it is the last week of this month. I'm okay, sure. very soon. All right. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that kind of crept up. Like there was like not much press about it until like now. Yeah, there's another game. Uh, oh, I get it. I remember thinking like that recently where it's like, oh, that game's coming out this month as well. Yeah. So, I forget what it is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. But it's, um, yeah, yeah it's that sounds good though. Interested to hear if you, um, mm. have what you think of it, if you get far enough. Yeah, because I actually saw ads for it. I feel like, I think I saw ads it around the city of Melbourne, like on billboards, like tram stops and stuff. And that, I feel like I haven't seen a game with an ad for that in a while. Probably not since God of War. So it's like, it's, oh yeah, I saw it's, it's like, weird. I feel like because I'm not. I, I feel like I don't see because like we definitely have those kind of ads here in Perth as well. And like I feel mm. like the last time I saw it was like Diablo Immortal. I'm pretty sure is that that's the last game I wow. remember seeing. And a lot of like, I, I don't know. I don't see them too often. But every time I see them, they're extremely out of date. <laughs> They, they always yeah. purchase these ads for like an extremely long amount of time. So they're like yeah. a year out of date <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They haven't bothered to change them. Yeah, but I haven't seen any last, like, uh, was it like Survivor ads yet? So I'm curious yeah. if I'll see any. Like I probably will if there's some in Melbourne. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you play the original. So you, you're probably a bit more better equipped to to play it. If you did get it, would you get it on PS5 or PC? Um, if I had to get it at launch, probably PS5, even gotcha. at the premium. But it's like, because I've been thinking about that a lot lately, because we'll talk about it a bit. Like, ports have yeah. been rough lately on PC. Mm. Like, even a little yeah. bit is, like, kind of a shame sometimes. But it's, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Uh, and plus, like, um, what is it? Like, Fallen Order? launched pretty rough mm. all around i think i'm not sure how the pc bot was yeah but it was definitely rougher on consoles yeah that's a good that's a good point so nowhere i maybe. don't remember <laughs> much about the pc port back then i might have to like do the good old go back in the digital foundry archives like i've just been watching a lot of digital foundry just because i really like the work that alex and the team does there in terms of really getting all nitty-gritty about the technical um aspects of like pc ports and then like kind of giving recommendations of what settings to adjust and, and things like that and actually showing you, hey, you know, set your textures to medium instead of high because 
it looks almost the same, but you can save a lot of performance. So it's really cool. And mm. I, I guess we'll talk about that <laughs> yeah, as well. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> well, why don't we crack into the news then? John, this first story is, I guess, it, it's been something that's been bubbling up for a while, but still it's... I don't know. For me, it's always a bummer when, when I hear about something like this. What's going on with E3? It's cancelled. That's what's happening. Uh, it was announced like pretty much as soon as we stopped recording yes. um, last week, <laughs> which is which is fine. We had lots to talk about anyway. But it's um, also, I don't think there's much to talk about, I guess, other than our personal opinions on it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, just to kind of wrap up what news there is, um, word of like the cancellation, like word of the cancellation actually came out through an email from ESA, which is E3's, like the... Um, conference's owner um, <clears throat> yeah, and came with a few quotes so first was from well I think the only quotes are from Carl Marsden Kish um, Reed Pop's global VP of gaming if you recall as we talked about last time Reed Pop is the one that ES, ES, the ESA is cooperating with or, or yeah it will continue to from the sounds of it um, in organising E3 they're the ones that also do PAX um, as well as a number of other expos Mm. i think so quote from kyle is this was a difficult decision because of all the effort we and our partners put towards making this event happen but we had to do what's right for the industry and what's right for e3 we appreciate and understand that interested companies wouldn't have have playable demos ready and that resourcing challenges made being at e3 this summer an obstacle they couldn't overcome for those who did commit to e3 2023 we're sorry we can't put on the showcase you deserve and that you've come to expect from Reed Pop's event experiences. And the, mm. pre- the press release that these quotes are in also mentions that Reed Pop and the ESA will continue working together on future E3 events. So I guess it's, yeah, you know, that's a, I guess that's an important note right at the end is that this isn't the end of E3, even though it kind of comes off that way. Yeah. Um, this is just, they're just not doing it again, which is not unusual since COVID started so it's mm. um yeah so we're just having another little break i guess from <laughs> yeah. a3 well, this figure year. out figure out how to fit in because yeah. yeah i mean i guess it's it's been going on for more than a decade now that like nintendo kind of said hey we don't need to do an e3 we don't have to pay all that money to like hire a hall and do a massive like in-person event we can do everything we need to in a pre-recorded 30-minute video and then pretty much every single publisher and like major companies kind of pivoted away from the in-person events and and gone to these like direct style presentations mm. but i was listening to another podcast and and they were talking about you know the 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 things that aren't on paper uh, are the fact that like okay these big companies can pay to put on their own elaborate productions any time of the year but the great thing about e3 is that because there was Two things. Number one, there's a lot of networking and a lot of like conversations that can happen just by everyone being in one place. And number two, it's um, also a chance for indie or like very small teams to take advantage of that kind of attention. Because mm. unless you're big enough or prominent enough to get signed on to like a devolver to be on a Devolver showcase, you probably don't have the resources to hold your own event. So piggybacking off an event like E3 when the entire world is paying attention is like a great thing to have. 
and the, it's been the very, other third it's thing. Been, it's yeah. definitely been a thing in Sony conferences in the past as well. Like that particular thing mm-hmm. you talk about, like it was like smaller teams getting a big spotlight, you know, yeah. big Sony show. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what, remember, like that was what, that was the pivot Sony made for the PS4's announcement. Like that, I think it was that E3 that had the indie devs up on stage. Yeah. Like presented like wrestlers or something. <laughs> like in a hall of... Fa- like, I don't yeah. know, like what I imagine. Like, um, uh, but... The, oh, and the other third thing was also the fact... Uh, this is something that I listened to on the, the Digital Foundry podcast is um, Richard Ledbetter, who's kind of... Who, who spearheads Digital Foundry. He's been a games journalist for, you know, 30 plus years. And he said the fact is, it's also a great chance for journalists to ask questions directly to, you know, the like the Phil Spencers, the Jim Bryans of the world, and not have to have it filtered by the like the PR team and everything like that, because you can sit in front of them and ask them tough questions and put them on the spot. Whereas when it's a pre-recorded presentation or like a, an FAQ that gets sent out afterwards. There's not. It's it's already pre, like it's like kind of already been filtered and already been, like you know, PRified, and it's, yeah. it's not really a I raw I'd journalistic like to know, like some examples of that though, because I feel like E3 is still a very much commercial. a hype fest sort of yeah, like yeah. very commercial. Like it, like I understand what he's talking about there, but I feel like yeah. that like I know like I I I don't have the best memory of this kind of stuff, but it, it's hard to think there was like um, too many examples of something like that where you know like a really yeah. you know major quote or something came out of e3 i think it's i think it's also I, I think like instead of like a specific example i can always say like you know articles let's say a game gets announced and then you know they clarify hey is this coming to previous gen you know when's the pc version coming out you know um you know you you gave this date but this was the original date like I think there have been examples of that being like, because a lot of content comes out of E3 and a lot of like, you have the big announcement, but then you have the rest of the show where there are a lot more kind of behind the scenes, like press roundtables and interviews and things like that, that a lot of news comes out of subsequently. Whereas from like a direct style event, it's kind of like, okay, this is the official push. That's it. Mm. Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. It's like there's opportunities for exclusive info just by roaming the floor yeah. and getting yeah. Because I think I remember yeah. um, hearing Jeff Gersman talk about that, like his days at Gamespot being lots of plugs yeah. for other podcasts today. Um, like Gersman <laughs> talking about yeah. um, you know, uh, like when he was at Gamespot, D three yeah. being you know the primary revenue generator for the year. Yeah, because it's just this big yep. chunk of time where so many people are going to the website constantly which i don't think is as true yeah. anymore but there has to be some i'm sure it's still you know worthwhile to websites mm. where that's important um yeah also yeah. i wanted to note as well it's like in the quote it says um interested companies wouldn't have playable demos ready and resourcing challenges made being at e3 this summer an obstacle they couldn't overcome which i think is something we haven't really talked about and something i mm. i very much don't think about as much as i feel i should is that vertical slices and e3 demos and demos for any of these kind of shows are always like a lot more work devs have to do yep. to get them ready especially in time yeah. so the idea yeah. like even though that definitely comes off as spin you know to a point and i'm sure i like i i'll 
I'll bet that it's spin more than than much. <laughs> I don't know. Like, but it's like it's, it makes sense though. Yeah, it's like game development yeah. has become more and more time. Like, there's so many much more time constraints. Like, it's so much more rushed. There's so much more going into. Like, it's just become harder mm. and harder to do everything at the time they have, which you know yeah. results in a lot of games coming out rougher in state, which has yeah. been happening for years. So the idea that like yeah. post COVID, where things are still kind of getting back into the flow of things, resources are still very constrained. And sometimes yeah. limited. So the idea that like a lot of, especially these bigger companies that have just, you know, are spinning so many plates at once. Compared, gotcha. It's like, I could, I could buy that. There's just, they just yeah. wouldn't be willing a good point. to, you know, accommodate those resources. Yeah. Especially as games get more and more like, like resource intensive mm. to actually make. And, and, you know, they've had to increase the price of games to kind of account for the fact that hey these cost a lot more than they used to yeah they require a lot more work yeah you're right like i think one of the most famous examples i think was like the halo 2 demo for e3 was an entirely like from scratch build version of the engine or the game that got scrapped immediately after the show and then they made the real game like you know (laughs) like there are countless there are actually a lot of examples of in the past of like how E3 has really forced a lot of crunch and and things like that because you had to make like a perfect demo. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you're right. I guess crafting a 10-minute or like a 5-minute gameplay demo versus a like 1-minute, 2-minute pre-rendered or even CG like trailer for like a... um, for Summer Games Fest. I'm... You're right. That would be a very big difference. Uh, I I presume it's a very big reduction in resources required. Yeah, and that makes me think as well. It's like Summer Games Fest being like a however long it is, like it's a big chunk of time rather than just a singular mm. event over a week or so. It's like, yeah. you know, like imagine Sony, like Naughty Dog, wanting to you know needing to set something up to like set up some sort of preview show off thing mm. um mm. you know like they would have like the advantage of having their own shows is they sony gets to pick the time they can delay it if they need to to get everyone on board at the same time so it's like okay yeah. this team's not ready we'll delay it a week or so or something and then we'll get yeah and then it's like with summer games first it's like i don't think that's the most exciting kind of event because it's just this big prolonged sort of you know it's, like, it's fine that it's mm, not it's mm. just i never really yeah. took much note of it when it was happening because it's just like a big period yeah. of it's like be excited for three months or however long it took it's because it's a long time <laughs> from what it i is, remember it is um yeah so it's like that one you know if you've got space to move around in that too and there's also mm. to have your own spotlight theoretically even though i don't think summer yeah. games first led to a lot of major things but you know that's fine um yeah yeah so i don't know like that yeah i, I feel like it's worth keeping tabs on that point because i don't think we yeah. we really i don't think we really thought about it much at all in the last of our previous discussions so it's interesting <laughs> to me uh, but uh yeah, anyway well. um, speaking of games coming in hot um, yeah jesus uh yeah coming in hot and like a like a pile of shit this <laughs> this news is coming out of naughty dog uh, you know, one one of gaming's most celebrated developers, and certainly in the wake of the Last of Us TV show, getting a lot of um, praise for storytelling and, and and things like that. Well, it's no secret that the Last of Us Part One's PC port, which came out, I think it was last week, if not the week before, um, 
there were a lot of initial kind of reports of poor performance, poor optimization, graphical bl- bugs. Like there was one pretty funny one on Twitter where someone posted a, a video of basically a cutscene that takes place indoors, but everyone I is like it's like they're sweating or they're getting rain like it's like they're getting rained on and the water's like pouring off their face but yeah, there's like but there's, they're completely indoors yeah because it's like it has to be something to do with their like the way that models like interact yeah. with like it's water effects so it's like yeah. it's meant to build up over time or you know react a little bit it's like it's kind of a, like a freeform system they've implemented yeah <laughs> so it's like it's somehow activated within this indoor cutscene. It's just they're progressively yeah. getting wetter and wetter. Yeah. So th- essentially, The Last of Us Part One, the the PC port is the latest, and I think I think it's the fourth kind of. Mm, let's see. I think it might be the the fifth major PS4 slash PS5 port over the last couple of years. So we had Horizon, God of War. Uh, Spider-Man Remastered and Spider-Man Remastered Miles Morales. Oh, sorry. Spider-Man Miles Morales Remastered. And then we had Returnal. And all of those games have had their own kind of quirks um, at launch, especially around requiring a lot of system, like kind of very excessive PC requirements for what you'd expect would be a console port. But a lot of that's because of the fact that the PS5, like pretty much all consoles, there are fixed fixed hardware spec so you can and and they're designed in such a way that all the components work so integrated so work so well together they can eke out every last bit of performance out of those pieces whereas a pc is a much more general machine it's designed for you to you know run your games but then also do your spreadsheets watch youtube videos record podcasts and stuff so there's not as much tight integration with hardware so there's a lot more that you might require a lot more um there's not as much optimization that you can do to a certain extent. However, there is always a baseline level of expectation that at least it's going to run properly and have, you know, not be buggy and a glitchy mess. And the issues that people have reported with The Last of Us and a lot of what's been shown, especially by people like Digital Foundry, is that it's very, very poorly optimized. Even running it... So, one example is that running it at... uh, at medium texture quality so it's like low medium high and then you know you're very high so even running it at medium is the maximum you can run it for an eight gigabyte graphics card and the majority of graphics cards are at eight gigabytes so if you want to and the thing is medium is the texture quality legit looks like it's a like a ps3 game like the resolution of the textures like a texture they, the examples of like, say for example, uh, an oil drum, right? If if you run it, if you see it on PS5 versus on the on like a, a mid-range computer, the the textures of the oil drum of the PS5 look crisp. You can read the text that says "warning, danger" or whatever. On the PC, it's just a blurry mess, and that warning label is basically a white smudge with some red on it. Like it's it's very very drastic it's it's very very obvious yeah the other like thing the example is, i saw yeah. was like a brick wall i yes. think which is in the digital foundry article yeah it's just like it's very like the difference is stark it's a, it's very surprising just how different it is it's like which oh, is like red like wow. it's a, yeah you're talking toggling it one down from high to medium it's like jesus yeah. christ it's, 
and, and also and even um and essentially the game is very poorly optimized and no matter what's happening it's just it's just asking so much of the computer much more than what you visually see on screen and a lot of that comes from the fact that it's just not very well it, it, I think the speculation is that potentially it is more Naughty Dog doing a lot of the work itself rather than relying on Iron Galaxy which is the the engineering kind of outsourcing firm that they that Sony's used for other titles so Iron Galaxy is very experienced with PC ports and and you know fixing engines and and getting optimized on different pieces of hardware like they're the people who made Skyrim work on the Switch and make it work well but when it comes to this potentially what could happen is what could be is that Naughty Dog maybe developing the PC version itself and doesn't have as much experience working on PC and doesn't know how to optimize or fix a lot of the things that other more experienced developers might have fixed or Iron Galaxy maybe dropped the ball on this one maybe didn't have enough time or didn't have enough resources to make it happen but at the end of the day it was signed off by Naughty Dog and Sony so it's still on those it's still on Naughty Dog and Sony to say hey this wasn't good enough we need to delay this or we need to issue a day one patch that can fix a lot of these things. So, the other issues is also, you know, a lot of freezing and crashing, the mouse control being very weird. It's it's like the, the mouse, you can't do a smooth movement with the mo- mouse. It's like it's it's getting interrupted and stuttering every, every few milliseconds or so. So, if you're playing with a controller, that seems to be fine. But as soon as you you know, use the mouse to move around to look at anything, you, you kind of have so a lot of stutter there. So, at the game's PC launch, Naughty Dog said that, hey, quote, we have heard your concerns and our team is actively investigating multiple issues you've reported. We will continue to update you, but our team is prioritizing updates and will address issues in upcoming patches. And then a week after release, uh, Naughty Dog said that, Quote, we know some of you have not experienced that Naughty Dog quality you expected. A team is working hard to resolve issues currently preventing some of you from experiencing the game to ensure it reaches the quality you, you expect and deserve. So, a week after it's out, we finally get an apology and, like, you know, an acknowledgement that things aren't right, that it is a lot, it's not just a, like a few players running into bugs, it's actually a problem that's in inherent to the PC port itself. <sighs> Unfortunately, it's not good enough at this point in time. Like, we've... Especially from a developer of Naughty Dog's pedigree, like this... Okay, it may not be an Arkham Knight... Was it Arkham Knight? that got? Yeah, Arkham Knight got pulled off shelves because the PC version was so bad. Mm. So it, it, Or even the Cyberpunk, like PS... The PS three ver- sorry the ps4 version which was like got pulled off store shelves as well so it may not be as bad as that potentially but i think this is this has done a really really like i think it's soured naughty dog and playstation's kind of reputation on pc especially after you know a few different buggy launches so i think it's just I just don't know how I, I don't know I don't know why this got approved the way it did. Hmm. I guess yeah, maybe it's just a cynical thing and it's just like, oh, uh, you know, 
going to get more money now than it will in a month or two. So we'll just push yeah. that now. But it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like, yeah. Um, Horizon, that came out pretty rough as well. Not as rough as yeah. this, I think, but it did come out no. in a similar state, you know, and just in mm. terms of just not being playable on most machines, I think. I think that's what it was yeah. currently. Or was that? Um, yeah, so it's just like it definitely signals to people it's like these are getting worse somehow. <laughs> so they're not getting... Yeah. Like God of War was very good, as I understand. I think Returnal yeah. had issues, but it was otherwise okay, I, I think. Yeah. I don't think it was and, terrible. And, and Uncharted was really good as well, apparently. Right. Like oh, that. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So it's like, yeah, because I've been keeping close track of that. I'll probably be keeping yeah. close track of that now because <laughs> I might actually want to yeah. play them. But, and what um, I don't understand is that Sony bought Nixus. Like Sony bought a company that specifically does ports, and especially when it comes to PC. So the other Sony ports that Nixus did were great, hmm. but I don't know why Sony didn't leverage Nixus for this one. Yeah, I, I could see a bit. Well. I don't know, it's all speculation, but it makes me wonder. It's like, because Naughty Dog was so involved in it, maybe mm. they kind of wanted it. I don't know, maybe the team there wanted to, or, you know, leadership wanted their, that team to kind of take the reins for the most part yeah. to kind of get them familiar Protective. as oh, okay, the whole yeah. PlayStation studio crop, you know, develop more and more PC ports closer to release and all that. Because this one's still yeah. not... It's not that old. It was just from no, last year. A year, I think, yeah. Yeah. So it's um yeah. So yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, it's not even a year. It's it's quite recent. It came out like the end of last year, I think. I think so. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But it's um <laughs> Yeah, it's I don't know. It's not I feel like we always get these stories of bad PC ports. Like it doesn't feel that impactful to me. It's like it's a bigger deal because it's a major release from PlayStation. Yeah, and they you would think they would get better at it, but it, it's not. But that's like the other thing it makes me think of. Not to be too um, sympathetic or whatever, or like forgiving. It doesn't matter. Um, <clears throat> God, my voice is breaking a lot today. It's um, it makes me wonder about how the PS Five is like. It has compared the previous generations PS Five and to a similar extent the Xbox Series um, has kind of. Um, it's like the amount of VRAM it has, I think, and the amount and the like hard drive memory format, the NVSE format, I think. Um, NVMe, yeah. Oh, NVMe, yeah. Yeah, it's like those two things of kind of bring inevitable issues mm. to PC because they're not standard. You know, it's like Returnal yeah. is a big one because that one I think yeah. was very reliant on the memory format, which I think yeah. is kind of why it had problems on PC. I think. Yeah, because not I, everyone I, has that. Yeah, almost no yeah. one has it really. It's like yeah. it's not a common format yet. And Forspoken is the only game so far that supports the direct storage format where like your graphics card can like interface with the your storage directly and that requires like that's just a standard feature on both consoles. Mm. And that's why you get um that's why you get like the super like super fast loading on the PS5 and that's why a game like Ratchet and Clank whatever the new one is. <laughs> Rift Apart. Rift Apart, yeah. So that's how you can get that whole, like, oh, you know, the multi-dimensional, uh, like, effects, are, like, instantly moving to another game world with a whole bunch of new assets and stuff is because of that kind of streaming, that, hot, like, storage to graphic streaming technology. And and Ratchet's, like, I think that's rumored to be the next port as well. It's just like... It's I hope like, so. Well, it's That'd just like... Awesome. But, uh, yeah, that's cool. I mean, I'm hopeful, but it's just like... 
that one's one that was reliant on the memory format and it's coming after yeah. last of us though i yeah. think insomniac's <laughs> kind of probably a bit more trustworthy in terms yeah. of producing a pc port that works i think because yeah. i think they'll i'm not sure, actually not sure how involved they were in the spider-man ones but um anyway those games worked out well so i'd hope that ratchet and clank works out a bit better yeah. than last of us did mm-hmm. um so it's uh i'm not sure i had too much else to add but it's like yeah, yeah like yeah rush like go do on better. Rush it. yeah <laughs> um, do better do yes. better naughty dog do better sony do better iron galaxy <laughs> yeah i would uh, i'd imagine i don't know it feels weird to put too much onus on iron galaxy i imagine yeah. they did their job even though i think they have kind of a rough history ish of ports compared to some other studios but you know it's still it's not their fault in this case considering yeah no, like, no. like you said They're like the they sign off. yeah exactly yeah um, well speaking of speaking of people being told to do better what's happening with the u.s government and activision blizzard <laughs> king good segue um <laughs> so u.s government is um the investigated abk activision blizzard king um over allegedly inadequate esports salaries so this is Department of Justice in the US, um, they've taken Activision Blizzard to court. Um, they've kind of alleged that they've been grossly underpaying their esports leagues and the players within it, um, using something called a, quote, competitive balance tax. So I don't have a full familiarity with how this works in other things, but it was compared to the, um, the way that salary caps and luxury taxes work in the NFL and the NBA in America. So this basically is, this tax basically limits the total amount that can be spent on player salaries. <clears throat> yeah. And and this could also punish teams that exceeded this cap. So the example yeah. that um, is in the Kotaku report that we're drawing this from uh, mentions that, you know, for example, a cap might be a million dollars and one team might spend $1,200,000. So... Mm they would then be fined $200,000, which is the amount that gone over, and that $200,000 would be then be distributed to the remaining teams. Yeah. And that's kind of how it's meant to function, as I understand it. There's probably a lot meant more that goes function. into it, but that's the basic yeah. gist of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is kind of what Activision Blizzard was doing. The problem with it is that the way NFL and NBA's caps work is that those are negotiated with the unions, and they're kind of agreed upon mm-hmm. by everyone. Activision Blizzard didn't do that because there aren't any unions in this case they just kind of decided to do it um therefore i'm not quite sure where the problem comes in there it's out it doesn't sound like a good thing (laughs) regardless but it's like i'm not yeah apparently that's like the legal issue in this case um yeah so routers routers no how do you pronounce that organization i I always read it german so i i would pronounce i personally would pronounce a reuters I'll look it up later. <laughs> um, the case is... So it's already led to a settlement um, agreed to both a, by both ABK and the Department of Justice um, with Activision saying, apparently having the final word on it, <laughs> saying, quote, the tax was never levied and the leagues voluntarily dropped it from our rules in 2021. Um, the, the article, the report that we're drawing this from mentions that like Activision Blizzard were notified of it and they stopped doing mm. it, apparently. Which is probably true. Like, I don't know. Um, and yeah, and then the quote continues We have always believed and still believe that the competitive balance tax was lawful and it did not have an adverse effect, impact on the player salaries. So it's just kind of over already. But 
I guess yeah. it's just another example of ABK doing something shady, getting called out <laughs> for it, and then settling and not saying and saying they didn't do anything wrong, even though yeah. they legally did do something wrong, even if they apparently didn't do it. Even that, but mm. they're also saying it's lawful, so who knows? Yeah, <laughs> my my, I would speculate that maybe what was happening was that the uh, the the number, sorry, the number that was negotiated in terms of being the cap for each team was probably not high enough to give all the like players and the people involved a good enough salary each. Yeah, I could buy that. That's yeah. where I think potentially the fact that there was no union involved or anything like that means that there was no no one representing the employees as a whole to negotiate like you know livable wages or you know wages that would be you know i guess fair <laughs> in this instance so potentially that's what activision has done and it just said oh but it's getting spread throughout and just you know kind of put its hands up saying hey we've done this part mm-hmm. we did what we had to do legally i guess the part that would because be because union yeah, like we shouldn't speculate too much, at least on my part, because yeah. I just really don't know. But my, yeah. my, like thinking about it again, it's like, I guess the idea is like union involvement means that the money there, like the players are making, are being theoretically, you know, discussed and spread evenly ish. Mm. You know, like the amount of money the actual organization, like esports um, organization is making, is yeah. being, you know, um, is being tallied and like the players are actually like the team owners etc like people who aren't ABK I guess like the employees themselves like actually aware of how much money is being made or potentially so so I don't know and a lot of it I imagine a lot of it just comes down to transparency is my point yeah and it does there's not much transparency with ABK is doing all of it <laughs> with like yeah. no real discussion being had they're just deciding the prices and going this is how much money you deserve for this, the entire league, and there's no, we're not going to tell you anything else, more or less. I don't yeah. know. Oh, we, we really don't know. That's, I'm just thinking yeah. out loud, I guess. But it's, um, yeah. Yeah, but that's the latest in ABK news for this week. Yeah. from one one story about a company with a hmm, contentious uh, human human rights or human representation issue to another. This time, <laughs> let's talk about CD Projekt Red. The uh, kind of... I guess CD Projekt Red was kind of riding high for a few years after The Witcher 3 and then kind of had a... F- like, the last few years have been pretty tough since the release and... You know, kind of the 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 PR nightmare that Cyberpunk 2077 has been. Uh, so, CD Projekt Red has actually come out and said that it's going to start paying for. Uh, I guess uh, it's going to start paying, offering paid leave for um, menstrual related pain. Now, this is something that. Uh, Good Old Games, which is a sister company to CD Projekt Red, introduced last year. Um, but this is now going to be implemented at CD Projekt Red proper. 
And um, the representative uh, who issued the statement, Ola Sondej, said that this could be the the most the most positive benefit of this move could potentially be an increase of uh, morale uh, to the development team, who's probably been under a lot of pressure over the last three years <laughs> following Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, I mean, I think this is like, overall, this is a really like, this is a really positive mood and a very, not mood, sorry. This is a very positive move and very, it's actually pretty rare to see an organization of this size offer, you know, some sort of like uh like paid leave for 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 like like a or period leave or menstrual leave especially mm-hmm. from a company that has a history of let's just say if you're not a straight well, if let's say if you're not a straight cis male you're probably not getting the best representation in the <laughs> in the games produced by the company so this is actually a pretty uh pretty progressive move by by them what do you think yeah yeah it's like altogether like a very good thing it's nice to hear like i was thinking it's like i was like reading through the report which we got from GameSpot. just to note um mm. it's like that it's like it's announced by a twitter and it's like oh, okay but like most of it it's like in that one sense it's like a way to try and get more people to come to the company as well yeah. it's just a good move in general there's nothing wrong with it it's just like i was just thinking through it, it was like it's like oh why'd they announce it on twitter instead of just you know <laughs> doing it um but yeah. you know it, it could yeah. do both things um, yeah. And they also usually, like yeah. Usually, Twitter's where you announce something bad. Like you know, when you issue the twit longer statement or that image. You know, when you see an image with writing on it, you just expect the worst. <laughs> yeah, that too. I think I was thinking it's like when you announce it on Twitter, it's like such a commercial move. And it's just yeah. like this doesn't feel like a commercial move though. But I guess it is because you know they want workers and they want people to know that their workplace is has this thing has this feature yeah. that they would like. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and Sundej also m- mentioned that. It could um, the positive impacts could also be related to like development teams' morale as well, which mm. I think is also something that's like easy to forget. Apparently, because yeah. companies constantly do about these things is um, <laughs> you know just like how like these can things can have like psychological effect as well, and that kind of bleeds over onto just having a positive effect on the development of games they make, which is nice when in response to them crunching a lot for cyberpunk and witcher they announced six seven new games all at once yes um so i don't know that helps yeah you know it's good yeah. it's, it sounds like it's an altogether great policy the way it's described yes. don't want any criticism of it it's just what i've been yeah. thinking which is related to the next bit of news i think yeah so last october you might remember that cd project ran uh cd project red announced a slew of New projects, one being a sequel to Cyberpunk 2077, a new trilogy of The Witcher games, um, which I think, yeah, because was, that was also a partnership with Epic Games to be working on Unreal Engine 5 for them. Also, a uh, number of Witcher spin-offs, as well as a brand new original franchise, or well, original IP. So, these projects were collectively known as... Uh, so, The Witcher games specifically were... Uh, referred to collectively as Project Sirius and were meant to be quote. Oh, I think that's just one of the projects. Just a note. It, I think it was the 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 new trilogy, right? Was it? No, no. It was one of the mobile. I remember. It was like um. Yes. Sorry. One it of was, the little uh, ones. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um. Yes. The molasses flood. That's who it is. So, 
One of these was a side project based in the Witcher universe, which is being developed by the the Molasses Flood, which de- which developed the Flame in the Flood uh, a couple of years ago, uh, and which CD Projekt Red actually purchased or acquired in 2021. So last week, the company f- uh, made a, I guess I uh, re- had to do its um, I guess its quarterly investor. Um, announcements and as part of that it said that it had to it it listed what it called an impairment allowance related to expenses incurred developing this particular game and essentially the the chief financial officer Piotr Nilobiewicz <laughs> shed more uh, light yeah. on this I'm yeah. so sorry <laughs> no I was like I get it I was like I was thinking <laughs> like I actually tried to look up how to pronounce it and I, I it's such a it's I couldn't figure it out like I was listening to it and it's like oh man that goes really fast um, <laughs> it it does. Neolibor- I think it's technically. Piotr- I think it did get it right, to be honest. Piotr yeah. I think that CZ technically is a ch sound. Oh, when I was looking it up, it's like wits was how it was pretty pronounced by okay. other people. So I don't. Know, it's already half on okay, it. Maybe I'm I was wrong. just like no, no, all good, all good. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it, it's Polish is not my first language. I, yeah. I do apologize. <laughs> um, yes, uh, essentially saying that the project is being quote reevaluated. He said, quote, our intention was to cut costs early and give ourselves time for reassessment. We don't want to carry on with projects that we are not aligned with. So basically, that's all we'd like to share about Project Sirius for now. Essentially, production's been halted. It's going to be, seems like it's going to be, uh, it's going to be or has already been restarted from the ground up. Um, so we'll see. Maybe it was too much of a departure from the gameplay or the the lore of the Witcher series. So that's just pure speculation there. But either way, CD Projekt Red has said, "Hey, we've eaten. We're gonna we're gonna take a loss this time. We're gonna say that we've we've, we've lost a whole bunch of money, but we're gonna start again, and we want it to be better. That's the yeah. kind of the long and short of it there. Which, hey, if it means a better game, it, I guess." We just gotta give them the benefit of the doubt. Mm. And like on one hand, it also sounds like it's um, giving Molasses Flood like a good chance to like have another go at it, you know, rather than yeah. kind of letting them go. I mean, I don't know who knows, but I like it's like maybe the thing they were making actually was awesome, and you know, just it just wasn't quite what CD Projekt wanted. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But it's like it's it's nice to not go just do the whole length of a game development be mm. bad and then get laid off which i feel happens yes, enough which, yeah. already yeah so it's like it's i don't know it maybe it sucks but it sounds like it's not all bad you know in terms of a response you can take to um project you're right 100 yeah. percent. like given how many tech companies grew over the pandemic and then announced a lot of layoffs this year it's great that cd project red said no we're not going to do that <laughs> We'll we'll yeah. take the hit and we'll we'll start again. I mean, touch wood. We don't hear any about any layoffs soon. I, I really hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, that that'd be really nice. <laughs> that'll be good. Um, yeah. yeah so well, speaking of things that we you know wish don't happen, or I wish doesn't happen. What's going on with this rumors around new PlayStation hardware? <laughs> I don't, odd segue that time. Um, <laughs> So this was reported by yeah. Tom Henderson, kind of a I'm sorry. pretty growing, 
<laughs> pretty growing name, I think, in people who yes. kind of keep up to date with game rumors and such. Um, yeah, at Insider Gaming, he reported about... Um, his report is focused on something called Codename the Q Lite, a kind of PlayStation handheld he'd been teasing over the last week, and then he came out with a report actually detailing some of it, basically being a PlayStation handheld that is purely cloud-based. It's all for streaming. It's like a Vita, except he ripped out all the guts that did games and just does purely remote play um, or something. Like It's yeah. being described as basically being like a big dual sense, but with a big screen in the middle. Mm. So I guess a bit like a Wii U pad, potentially. Yeah. Which I would be really, I'll be pretty into kind of because those are really comfy. Um, yeah, so that's what kind of, that's what he describes as early prototypes looking is mm. a PlayStation 5 controller, but with a massive eight inch LCD touchscreen in the center and uh, also having adaptive triggers for haptic feedback and et cetera, et cetera, what you would expect from a handheld. So it sounds like it'll be, you know, PS5 features of a DualSense, but just built for remote player, which sounds very um, specific to certain people <laughs> and what they want, which sounds kind of fun to me, but yeah. I'm pretty sure I couldn't, I'm not sure it'd work out for our handheld, like our household, but I, I don't uh, mind yeah. the idea, but it, it sounds like it'd be extremely expensive for a small benefit sort of thing. Like, especially for the thing is, if you own a, like, you still need to own a PS5 to use this device. That's seemingly the weird thing. like they have got cloud streaming yeah. happening, not in Australia, but in yeah. other countries um, on like the highest tier of the PlayStation Plus service. Mm. So maybe it doesn't need a PlayStation Five, but it probably does. Yeah, um, it probably would if it doesn't have the guts to like run a game natively. So you can already do this with a DualShock or a DualSense and an iPad or like an Android phone or something. So it's like, who is this for? <laughs> People who you know, are buying the PSVR 2, of course. Like, people <laughs> buying it. Yeah, I, saw, yeah, like, I saw a description saying it's like, it's a lot of this hardware, which I'll, I'll get into the rest of it, but a lot of this like extra hardware, like same thing with like the DualSense uh, Pro or whatever it's called, like the extra Edge. one. Edge. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it's called <laughs> not the obvious <laughs> one. I forgot about it. Um, yeah, just like a lot of these kind of hardware, like additional accessories and stuff is like a lot of it's about really keeping people in the ecosystem. So it's just yeah. like, it's like, what is, would I get game? Like, would I get this game on the PS5 or Xbox? I already got an Edge though. I want to use that controller on it or whatever. Mm. Um, and this is kind of another way of getting like the real faithful. I think in one yeah. getting more money from them potentially and two just kind of keeping them entrenched in the system at least that's how it reads to me um even though i, I think i cribbed that. that from someone else's comment to be honest <laughs> um at, at the second part of this rumor is that um this was mentioned previously by jeff grubb but it's kind of like uh illuminated like expanded on by henderson um something called the second phase of the ps5 like that's apparently what sony is calling it internally so this is basically to in reference to a second phase of hardware offerings this includes the new detachable disk drive playstation 5 which is seemingly just like instead of there being two models on playstation 5 this was revealed leaked some time ago but mm, um but yeah. it's basically like a normal ps5 like as in the current ps5 offering is the disc one and the non-disc one like the digital only one this one yeah. would be basically the same thing, except there would be one discless one 
and then you can also get like a separate disk drive to sit on top of it or something. So that kind of yep. makes production faster and easier, I imagine, and just makes the whole buying yeah. experience a bit simpler as well, kind of, you know? Mm. Um, I would like, I'll, I really hope that detachable disk drive is applicable to old systems because I'd li- like to get one if it does. But even though yeah. it sounds cool. Um, Project Nomad, which are just wireless earphones. Um, Project Voyager, which is a wireless headset. And Q Lite, which is a handheld. And all of these handheld offerings are meant to be releasing within a very short time period. Don't know what, how short that is, but I guess that's within the next year or so. And yeah. um, uh, with, no, we don't know. Um, and then it's also understood that the PlayStation 5 Pro is aiming for a holiday 2024 release, so end of next year, which is, um, yeah, that's another big reveal, seemingly. Um, I feel like it's too soon. Kind of. Uh, when did the uh, PS, PS5 come out? 2024. So if you follow the PS4 Pro, sorry, the PS4 Pro came out four years after the PS4. So in 27, no, came out three years after because I think it came out in 2016 and the PS4 came out in 2013, right? Well, this will be so four years after as well. This will be four years versus three years. But the jump from PS3 to PS4 wasn't as big as PS4 to PS5 in terms of the te- the the hardware and the technology. So I personally don't think we need a PS5 Pro I don't think we'd need a new revision of these consoles. I well, think for the entire generation, given yeah. there's still a lot of untapped power within them. Well, it's like uh, what I think about is like I feel like the pro thing is being potent. I uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like maybe it really is just a better version of PS5, but it, like to me, it sounds like it's being kind of conflated maybe with the slim version of the PS5 uh, or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like maybe it really. Yeah, I don't know. Like that was my thinking of it where it's like PlayStation 5 Pro sounds like a weird thing for Sony release though yeah uh, like this yeah because you're right like it's it does feel like the PS5 has been somewhat untapped because yeah. there's been so many cross-gen releases still and like, I guess that's not out. happening <laughs> are they? like I feel they've been yeah they still are yeah okay. I feel like like Resident Evil was the most recent one. Oh yeah right yeah and that's um, a so huge like that was a huge game mm. so it's like yeah I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see. Like, that was just my take on it. Like, my thinking when I read the report initially was yeah. it's like, oh, maybe that's just the slim one. I don't know. Well, we've, there's already been some revisions of the PS5. Um, like, Australia was the first one to get the new revision of the PS5 with... I think it had a smaller... Like, it had a smaller, like... Chi- like a like a chip on a smaller nano, like a nanometer process with less cooling hardware. So it's, it still runs cooler, it's, but it's actually got less like physical hardware in there, but has the same performance. So I, if I were, if I were a betting man, I would bet money on the fact that what will happen is instead of having two versions of the PS5, we'll just get the, like the PS5 slim or the equivalent of that without a disc drive, but that'll be the only model going forward. And then the optical drive add-on is like an optional thing that people can get if they want to still use discs. And I and I presume that'll be backward compatible as well with um, like digital edition owners for digital edition owners like yours. So I can picture that because that would simplify manufacturing and reduce costs much more than trying to do a PS5 Pro with, you know, uh, especially when hardware hasn't really been tapped into as deeply as we would have expected by now in mm. previous generations. 
Yeah, because I yeah I can't really think of what a pro could do that's substantially different. But I guess the PS4 Pro wasn't that wild either, because that was mostly just a res like a resolution upgrade. But that's the thing, that went from 1080 to 4K, right? And mm. um, that also had the the larger storage. But also that that was a sig- that was like the first time we ever had that that much of a big jump in performance like even within a generation i mean unless you count the new 3ds versus the old 3ds (laughs) like unless you're counting something like that but that was the first time we had that half-step console and microsoft was forced to respond with the xbox one x the year after so that i think that i think that's more of an outlier rather than the trend going forward i think especially with the chip shortage still ongoing like it still takes it still requires so many resources to it, it it's still not easy to get a ps5 just off a store shelf like it will be like even even in 2023 like they still are releasing them in limited quantities admittedly they're not getting bought out by bots just as quickly but it is still like hey we're getting some coming in next week or we're getting some next month rather than hey it's just walk in and grab one right now so and and the fact is like the that's like also still affecting cars and and all sorts of other industries so we still haven't gotten over the chip shortage so then having to make two versions like using silicon and spreading that over two versions of the ps5 i just don't think that's gonna i just don't think it's feasible in this in this um in this world now like post-covid so going forward one version makes more sense to me hmm yeah, it's, yeah, I, I could buy that. I, I I think that makes a lot of sense. Like, uh, hopefully, that backwards compatible disk drive is a thing because I don't yeah. think like I think like most things are pointed to it not being a thing. I think it's mostly just going to be kind of a clean slate. Um, but I'd love if it wasn't. Um, but yeah, yeah, so it's I don't know. I'm not sure what to think of it. So far. I like I'm I think the Q light like the handheld thing that one's going to be a thing that's so specific to certain people. It's going to be like just yeah. the premium experience of remote play for PS5, which I think sounds like okay, depending. Yeah. But it depends on how well it works too. Like if it actually works substantially better than doing like, you know, configuring a controller out to your phone and kind of getting that working smoothly, which isn't yeah. isn't hard to set up. I'm just saying it's like it could just be a better experience on a few yeah, levels especially as well. with adaptive triggers and, and mm. things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting for that it's called the G Pro, the Logitech G Pro. It's that cloud. Oh, sorry, it's called the G Cloud. So basically, it's a. It looks like a smaller Steam Deck, but instead of having like full-on Windows-capable hardware, it's like it's basically like Android tablet-level hardware. But yes, you can play a lot of Android games and things on it. But it's really well designed around. Like it's got all the. It's got support for all the mainstreaming apps like Steam Link. Um, Xbox, PS4, like sorry, remote play and stuff. Like I, I would love the idea of a handheld like that. That's really good for streaming because when you're streaming from a PC or PS4 and you've got a good home network, it's actually a pretty good experience. Mm. But and 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 that's all I really need. I don't need something like a Steam Deck that runs games on its own. So well, if, that G Pro yeah. thing is also pretty expensive. Because <laughs> I was thinking about that when three fifty like, US, I think, yeah. Yeah, it's like for what it is, like especially with like the actual Android part of it, it's like pretty mid rangey for the yeah. price you're paying. Yeah, because that would be what like five hundred or so here, 
if it's converted straight yeah. is like it's you know that's expensive for that which yeah. makes me think this is going to be similar <laughs> probably yes. maybe a little cheaper if it can't do anything else which is think is yeah. but it's like i saw people saying it's like oh if it's like 100 us i'll buy it it's like it's not gonna be 100 us it's no. no when a controller is that <laughs> it costs that much yeah, it's got to be at least the price of an Edge, I think, which are yeah. like $330 here or something crazy. Something They're dumb. very expensive. Um, so yeah. it's like, I, I think it's like, I think it's primarily to kind of wring money out of people who are all in on the PS5 and yeah. no one else. <laughs> and maybe, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, maybe it's more of a, like yeah. a starting point as well for something else in the future. You, you, know, who the, you know who this is for? This is for um, that, you know, kind of mythical tech dad market. You know, the dad that's got, like, everything. Like, got the VR room and all that stuff. It's for the dad who wants to play games, but he can't play on the main TV and he, um, at night because the kids are asleep and he can't play during the day because the kids are watching their TV or whatever. So, he's he's got the PS5, but he's going to play it in bed, <laughs> streaming with headphones on. <laughs> yeah, but he also doesn't want to figure out how to set that up on a Steam Deck for a similar yeah. price. <laughs> Oh, because exactly. he lives here. Oh no, but he can't play the stream. You can't, the play stream Steam Deck. We can't do any. The Steam Deck's not even here. We got yeah. nothing. I saw that. Yeah. I was like, oh wait, yeah. the PS Five doesn't work either. Yeah. Oh, I guess remote play does, but not the streaming part. Not the streaming. Um, we don't even have streaming here. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> Why are we even talking about it? Uh, um, <laughs> but I I did try that Steam Link remote play, and that was actually pretty cool. So I did boot it up at my parents' house, and I had my computer on here, so you can actually play it. So I could I could boot into my Steam big picture mode here from my PC here and play at another like somewhere else. Um, so that's actually pretty cool. But yeah, I mean I wouldn't be playing like a fighting game over that, but like probably a game like Dead Space or something that's not just Twitch would probably be okay. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, that that was really cool. Just quick aside there. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good to hear. Like it's it's. Um yeah, I don't know. It's like, I think it's like Australia just has so little access to some of that stuff still. Like yeah. for whether it's because of internet constraints or just because we literally can't have it <laughs> here. Because <laughs> we still yeah. can't buy a Steam Deck, which is like, I'm not really like in wanting of one, but I keep yeah. hearing about how great they are. And it's just like, oh, it'd be like, even just the temptation would be nice. <laughs> See, I would, I would spend three to $400 on a handheld like the Logitech G Pro that just let me do streaming from a computer so I could have a handheld with real controls um, and, and just play it in bed or like on the couch, like somewhere where I don't have to be in front of the computer or, or be in front of the PlayStation. Just give me that. If you give me that, I'll be happy. I'll give you three, four hundred bucks, but I'm not going to give you five, six hundred bucks for like a G Pro or like a, a Q Lite when I have to spend eight hundred bucks on the PS5 and then buy a handheld when I already have an iPad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a hard sell, but it's yeah. um. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, I think that wraps up the news for this week. Well, that's going to do it for the news this past week. Let's take it over to the chit-chat section where we'll talk a little bit about what we've been watching and playing this week. Now, John, you mentioned at the top of the show that you will probably watch uh, Dungeons & Dragons Honor Among Thieves in the coming week, hopefully. Probably. It's it's always a bit of a half. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, (laughs) probably, yeah. So, I... We... 
my wife and I watched it this past week. I might save it until you've seen it, and we'll talk about it next week and talk oh, about okay. our different, our, our right. like kind of different experiences with it. All I can say is that I was not a particular fan of it. Oh, okay. I think it was a bit okay. Think <laughs> Thor, love and think Thor, love and thunder. Like think of humor in between Thor, Ragnarok, and Thor, love and thunder, and that's kind of the humor they go for in this. All right, that's 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 like what I got out of it. It was any yeah. other comparisons, <laughs> non marvely ones. Uh, I don't know. It's it's just it was just very generic and very like. It, it, like it had so it had a little bit of charm to it but I feel like it was just played off for too many laughs and I don't know it, it's funny saying that this is generic when so many things games and movies and stuff have crept off this particular franchise like in terms yeah. of fantasy but I think even Dungeons and Dragons itself is like based on you know Lord of the Rings, stuff. Lord of the Rings, and which itself is based on like kind of lore from from Europe. So it's like I don't know. It's I I I genuinely I like the fact that it was like a party of like you know you got the rogue character, you've got the uh, the the mage, you've got kind of like the the like the brute, the tank character, and, and the paladin and stuff. Like I I kind of enjoyed that as someone who's played like RPGs and stuff, but. I don't know. It was just very. I don't know. It's very like boring, and it's it's like boring, but it was trying to be interesting, but it just was very, f- like on the nose. And I was just like, my wife was there. I was just like watching her, just like, like kind of die on the inside watching. And I was just like, oh no, I'm gonna have to answer for this for dragging her to this. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. We'll ha- I'm sure we'll have a great discussion next week. Yeah, uh, but hey, people really like like because it's like it was like on ninety percent run tomatoes when we went to watch it. So clearly, a lot of people liked it. Mm. So yeah, it's yeah, like the I'll, Mario. Curious, like, yeah. I, I still hyped for the Mario movie post review scores. I haven't even seen them. I, I, I don't think I don't think it even matters. Like, my, my wife is just like, so when are you booking the Mario tickets? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, so I've seen a lot from, of enthusiasm yeah. for it regardless. So I'm yeah. guessing you'll like it a lot. It's Listen, I'm guessing that it's just going to be a lot of fan service. And at this point in my life, I'll I'll be happy to take that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I need. <laughs> uh, I enjoyed the first Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like I actually found that like genuinely intri- like funny. The second one was all right. I think that also went a bit too much. So... And th- but there were like a lot of visual gags and a lot of references that, as a, like a fan, you'd pick up. So I'm I'm hoping that there's a lot of that in in this movie because the previews kind of make it look like that. It sounds like there's a lot, yeah. Yeah, and I got a really cool Uniqlo Super. It's basically a, a blue shirt with orange like writing, and it it says Super Mario Brothers Plumbing like on a on the on a van, and oh, it's like yeah. kind of funny. Like that was like I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna buy that. That that's that's funny. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> and like it's got a little tab on one of the sleeves that on one side it's like the green pipe and on the other side it's the red mushroom so it's like oh, okay. it's a little thing it's there cute. everything yeah. else was just like the movie poster plastered on the front I'm like that's just you're not even trying like <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um, but you you've played a couple of things you, you've continued your run in Resident Evil 2 remake yes um, I 
it's been a second since I played it for um I'll get into it. But it's um I finished the Leon A run. Because the way mm-hmm. that game works, if people didn't know or forgot or whatever, yeah, I forgot, is that there's two <laughs> characters. There's Leon and Claire. You start as one of them, and then you kind of get, like, in that starting uh, playthrough is called, like, Leon A or Claire A. And then once you finish it, you can continue on to second run mode, either Leon B or Claire B, depending on who you started with. Mm. So I, I finished Leon A, which is, like, a full game. And then, like, and then you move. Then I moved on to Claire B, and one I, re- I ended up really enjoying Leon, like Resident Evil Two, a lot. Like, because uh, I got onto the Mister X part where you're being chased by a man in a fedora and coat, which I actually kind of <laughs> forgot was a part of this game. I was like, yeah. oh, that's right. And he's not he's not actually a huge part of it, but the way he's incorporated into the playthrough is so clever. Is paralyzing as he is because <laughs> you hear yeah. him stomping around and he is stopped by a very little and he like very and he's purposely implemented in the game in a way that disrupts everything you've been doing so far and learning so you've kind of gotten used to kind of um kind of playing slowly like it basically forces you to start thinking about routes and escape hat escape plans so it's like okay i need to go over there you're looking at the map you're going like okay i can go this way i can go that way i know there's zombies there but they're not there but if I go that way, I might, I probably won't be able to get away from Mr. X all that easily and so on. Like, that's what he wow. does to you. And, like, that's not what you have to consider much otherwise. Like, you're only thinking about, like, puzzles and just how to progress. Like, if you don't know yeah. the game already. So, it's like he kind of ends up upending how you, you're progressing in a way that ends up just way, like... And also, he kind of tends to spawn to, like, in a way that isn't Fuck purely realistic. Yeah, like, sometimes yeah. he'll just, like like he'll warp around like you won't really notice it but apparently that's how it works is that if you start making too much noise and you can make almost no noise you can like accidentally run through a door too fast and it's like oh he hears you he's gonna start stumping your way you better run um and it's also very unclear quite how he like how far he is because i'm using headphones so i've got 3d audio on wait would that help (laughs) no it does but it's like it's like there's there's multiple levels so it's oh, like it's kind of hard to tell exactly where he's going or where he's at, and like sometimes he'll just kind of keep stopping outside the door where you've like been able to hide or something because like some he can't come into certain rooms, so you can hide out there, but he won't necessarily go away right away. And even if you hear him go away, he, like it sounds like he's still around, even though he's probably far enough away that he can get out. So I was stuck in a room for like 30 minutes once because I couldn't tell what was going on. <laughs> oh my um, God, that would be so daunting. Oh, but once, so I was yeah. looking up oh lots of Reddit help to get yeah. a handle on how to approach it. Oh and then once God. I got a handle on it, it's like, okay, I'll see how he works. He's still yeah. terrifying, but it's not. He is easy to deal with relatively. And they, they capitalize on that in Nemesis, like the third game. That one has a lot more of like the Mr. X style character, but a lot more present in the game. Apparently it's worse because <laughs> it's funny. It's like I think in the sec- original second game, Mister X was a much, much simpler presence, as I understand yeah. it. I don't actually know, but that's my understanding of it. And then in three is where Nemesis is a lot more complex in how yeah. he chases you and like um, traps yeah. you. And I'm pretty sure they switched it around this time, where Mister X is a lot more interesting in RE2. But in three, they end up simplifying Nemesis quite a bit and making him oh, more okay. of a spectacle. 
I think. Cool. I'm pretty sure that that's okay. what I've heard. I'll well, play it eventually. <laughs> yeah, I will. Um, and the other thing I'd mentioned, oh, okay. like I noticed was after I finished Leon A, I went like straight into Claire's playthrough. And the way, like I'm very curious to start like a fresh Claire run because the way it just throws okay. you into the game with like full, like it assumes you're fully like on like you know board the with how the yeah exactly like so it, like it starts off at a higher difficulty than i expected where i was like oh okay i'm not starting off fresh like this is like <laughs> like it's throwing a lot at me quickly and gotcha. like and i'm pretty sure mr x arrives really fast because i've already seen him so, like in like yeah. a cutscene. i was like oh wait he's here already it took eight hours last time so is it so okay my question is because you've got the events of leon's campaign like his story so then, does Claire's story start at the start of Leon's story, or does it start like, like Leon's events have already happened, and then Claire starts? Like, is there overlap there, or is it like a Devil May Cry Four situation where you play the levels in one particular order with this protagonist, and then when you switch protagonists, you just play the same levels in reverse order? How does it work? <laughs> um, it's kind of it's a little unclear because the timeline seems strange. But the idea is that Leon and Claire are both operating at the same time, like running parallel, yeah. the playthroughs. But the thing about gotcha. it is that Claire's seemingly... Because Claire and Leon meet each other at the start of the game and like they kind of get in a car, head to Raccoon City, they get yeah. in an accident and they split up. And so yeah. Claire's... like At least the Le Claire B playthrough that I'm on now, that I haven't got very far into, but it's um, it kind of starts off like... Um, I don't know. Like her playthrough starts around like an hour or two into Leon's campaign, and I don't understand oh, how that okay. timeline cool. works. Because <laughs> like yeah. she arrives at the police station seemingly like hours later, and then Leon he, she sees Leon at a point in like you see the same cutscene you do in the Leon's campaign where they both like a different they, perspective. Kind of like you, they you meet okay. they meet up for a second oh, okay, and then they cool, split cool. up again. But it's kind of Why? unclear where because <laughs> uh, they're they're, they're yeah, blocked by a, a door. For it. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say there's only um, a reason I, I wouldn't split up if I. But it, but situation. it's unclear where Leon goes because he's yeah. still doing stuff in the police station when I was playing. But yeah. now Claire's in it, and now she's yeah. like I don't know. It's it's a little unclear quite how it fits together. I don't think it's meant to fit together perfectly. Yeah. But it's um I'll I'll see how it goes. But it's um yeah I guess yes. I don't think yeah. I have too much else to say other than I'm I've I'm very. I'm very into it. I'm very tempted to kind of go on to like more playthroughs because it's been reminding me a lot of um, Dead Rising as I got oh, to okay. the end of... Because like I, I, in hindsight... Another Capcom Dead Rising, classic. Yeah, exactly. Like Dead Rising, I like thinking about it like while playing RE2, it's like, oh, okay, Dead Rising must have been built on a lot of Resident Evil stuff because Resident Evil is like, it's about learning the game, learning the items, learning like... It's like a point and click style thing where you need to like okay i need to go here backtrack here so you can kind of get more and more efficient and that's yeah. kind of what re2 is about where it's like you know you start as one character then you start as the next one and you have a lot more knowledge and it kind of plays on that yeah. knowledge while but the knowledge is still helpful to the player 100 percent. yeah Those dead are, rising yeah. is a lot like yeah. that where it's like you're yeah, basically wow. in like a yeah, sort of right. un uh like an unspoken i guess time loop because you're kind of doing it over and over again to get more efficient as you try to save more people around the mall. And yeah. it's just like, I've, I was getting that feeling playing RE2. I was like, kind of like, I got stuck in a place, like, okay, I'm reloading here to get try a little better at it. 
and it's just like it had That's the right. same feeling where it's just like huh. I'm, anyway that was basically like a more of a curiosity though i'm very interested like, to see if there's I, much i, I would i would there. say i mean dead rising came out in 0506 so that makes sense that it would it would still be very fresh because like like resident evil 2 and 3 were only like seven eight years from then and like resident evil 4 was only like a couple of years before before that and yeah like i guess it makes sense like dead rising kind of takes those it's like takes the resident evil kind of the familiarity like that you get around that from what it sounds like around the mechanics and how the game works but then applies it to like a run-based kind of game because like Mm. dead rising kind of is like i remember it being pretty hardcore like it was brutal it's like either you save your progress or you save your um like you save where you are in in the story or you save all the items or all the things you've gathered and you've got to make that choice right oh i'm not quite sure because i played it in the last few years because i wrote a thing on it a while ago yeah but it's um no i I mean if you die you can restart but you can restart it with all your stats intact so it makes it easier and easier but you Um, don't keep your progress in the story yeah you have to restart all of it Yeah. yeah Um, so there is a bit of a choice there in a sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? Yeah. So it kind of makes me thinking about it out loud again. It makes me wonder if it's connected to RE4 because RE4 had several versions leading up to its final release. Yeah. And it makes me think it's like, I wonder if one of them one was of Devil May that... Cry. That's where Devil May Cry came from. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it's like, it's, um, it makes me wonder if something splintered off that eventually evolved into Dead Rising because mm. I, I could believe that. I don't know if it's true. But it's it's I could believe it. Um, yeah, I, I would because that was kind of like the heyday of Capcom. Yeah, like, the old rena- like that's the the original like kind of the old Renaissance. Now there's like a modern Renaissance where Capcom's really like doing well. Hmm. But I don't know. Do Do you think the next game's going to be a Resident Evil One remake remake or Resident Evil Five remake? Uh. I don't know, actually, because I've seen a lot of discussion about that lately. I think five yeah. would be interesting, but they'd have to like completely overhaul every aspect of it. Yeah, and I think it was like co-op. Yeah, and I think I think it's something where it's like you can't really get rid of that either. Like it's mm. not so, like I would, I would actually really like it if they did to try and. But you'd have <laughs> you'd be basically making a brand new game because yeah. that game's kind of built around it. Yeah, like there's not much else there if you get rid of it. Yeah. So it's like um. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, I think Resident Evil One's probably the safer pick, though. But, yeah, yeah. Wondering. Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, like, mm. it's yeah. There's a lot of ways I can go. I, about I think it. yeah. I can picture that being like Resident Evil One's Resident. I think Resident Evil One is probably more likely because I think that's got more reverence to it, and and you can picture them doing like oh, Resident Evil. It's like the whatever collection you know, the Umbrella Collection being like the remakes of One to Four that's like done and then you know five and six becomes its own thing well that's the thing is six really sucks so i don't think they're going to do six Mm, yeah it's also way too big it's like it's such it's such a particular project where most people don't really like it that much no and that's when it became more like call of duty like try to be call of duty right kind of it's just it's a very strange game like when i tried playing it with my sister i just like i had a lot of trouble with it because that's like a lot of strange one of them like wesker's kid or something like what the hell yeah but it's like it's it's. Um, I don't remember it well enough anyway. But it's it's a very weird game that is like 
not as easy to tackle as any of these other remakes yeah in any way <laughs> like everything about <laughs> it is either bad right. or just hard to come back to um yeah, yeah i think i think that's kind of all i had on our either should i keep yeah. going about the other game i played or is that yeah, today tell us about it okay um another game i played only a little bit of was tiny rogues so it's the roguelike yeah. that came out last year it's kind of like an eight bit um top down like binding of isaac except it's like it's got a lot of souls and diablo references i've only really noticed the souls ones but it's like it's built around similar mechanics about like kind of getting particular types of gear and potions and it's like it's not it's very similar to binding of isaac where it's more about kind of creating a build and finding synergies that work okay. with skills you're collecting and items you're collecting and so on and so forth that's also a diablo thing as well i guess yeah basically yeah it probably is quite similar to diablo really except it's like run based and yeah you're yeah and, and like individual pieces of equipment and such are like much more valuable individually um but what it made me think about a lot because i played through i played a bunch of reddit bind the binding of isaac a few weeks ago when i got mm -hmm. the expansion for cheap um i got i got pretty burned out on it again <laughs> that happens a lot with binding every time i come back to it <laughs> um but it's like the thing it's i've an been intense thinking about, game uh kind of it's, it's just it, it's very um time consuming and that's what i've yeah. been thinking a lot with tiny rogues yeah, like i've only played like less than two hours of it so far like i've not played much okay. but it's um it's it's in the similar vein where it's um it's one of those roguelikes that like can eat your time really fast and leave you very little by the time you're done with your it time. <laughs> i'm it's, sorry that just sounds funny to me okay maybe it sounds wrong maybe it sounds better in my head but, but no <laughs> but it makes sense like it's it takes a lot out of you yeah like because binding of isaac like runs are like minimum 20 minutes or something and you to like unlock a lot of stuff you have to do runs like you have to do like complete runs every time like so there's like a bunch of challenges that unlock items in binding of isaac and you just get more and more the more contents come out over time Ooh, and like okay. there's just lots of stuff to do and i was like starting a fresh save with that one and it takes like i i've played it for like i don't know like 20 or 30 extra hours like with this new save and i barely made a dent in the stuff to unlock even though i wasn't having much trouble with anything because i played it a lot already so it's like I'm, I'm already past the learning phase of this game which is like the meat of a roguelike you know okay. it's like the good part of a roguelike is learning how all the kind of the toolbox it, it throws you into and getting better and more efficient and learning kind of the limits of what you can do yeah limit like the what you can anyway binding of isaac is a very good one but i'm like well past the point where i've understood pretty much everything about it <laughs> so yeah. it's like it's very much in a phase where it's just like i'm just playing it to waste time and not much else nah. and like tiny rogues already feels like that where it's like it's fun and interesting and it has a lot of build variety but it ramps up as a roguelike really slowly so it's again like minimum 20 minutes for a run before and it you, challenges you yeah basically like before you you end up with a build that's interesting or fun because you always start off very like you know you start off with like nothing basically like you start off with very yeah. basic stuff and you're fed like the game feeds you new stuff very slowly and okay. so you always kind of you know you start with the base class and you're always having the same experience to start 
and then yeah. it gives you yeah, it only it takes so long like you're halfway through the game before you end up arriving on something interesting so it sounds like there should be like a toggle it's like hey have you played rogues before like roguelikes before experience mode bang then you start off with more higher kit but then it means it any like there's more it's more challenging like, yeah it's like because <laughs> hyper um vampire survivors uh, yeah like my game of the year from last year actually yeah for the which won a bafta by the way over this past week <laughs> oh, finally yeah. got recognized somewhere <laughs> finally <laughs> games getting what they need um but it's like that game actually has something similar where it has something called hyper mode which like speeds yeah. up time by twice and gives yeah. you more xp so you gotcha. could like fast forward fast forward through that game without any real uh like um detriment you know to like yeah. actual playthrough okay um yeah, so because what I wanted to mention was like I feel like the game, which I mentioned also mentioned some time back, Atomicrops. Yes. Um, the like farming fusion mm-hmm. of a roguelike. Well, shoot Best name of twenty twenty three. It's an old game, <laughs> but it's um, it's like I feel like that one kind of spoiled me because that one ramps up really fast. <laughs> like because that one's close to an arcade game in a lot of ways, but it's like gotcha. it's it you you're like five minutes in and you're like fully into this whatever build you're kind of working towards. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't take long to like, it, it's very hectic and fast paced re- immediately, which means it's, I, I might've said this already last time I mentioned it. I don't really remember. But my basic point is that that game moves really fast as a roguelike that's as like someone who plays a, has played a bunch of them and has spent a lot of time on several of them. That's very, um, I'm very uh, grateful for that kind of thing like it's, it's kind of exactly what i want from work like is just not please don't waste my time too much or at least make make runs feel more like memorable because a lot yeah. of these like combat oriented ones like binding of isaac and tiny rogues like they're all yeah. about the build and the combat in a way that it's like you're always chasing a cool new build but once you've reached that high, like you have like very little to remember, like, oh, like that's how I feel about it. It's like, by the time I'm done with it, it's like, I feel like I got nothing, but I used a bunch of time to have a mild amount of fun. <laughs> like I always think about it in terms of like junk food. That's what I make, that's what always reminds me of it. It's, okay. not, it's not meant to be like an insult. It's just kind of what the game is. Cause that's what Vampire gotcha. Survivors is as well. It's like, yeah. once you have a full grasp on like its toolkit, you're just not left with much in terms of like okay it like that. um personal like an interesting like journey with the game you're just yeah. the part where you're spending time with it doing the same stuff you've been doing the whole time so it's um yeah that's why i'm bringing up tony rogues because i thought it was interesting like i, I thought it was like um yeah it's i really want a new roguelike i think <laughs> i'm really holding out for hades <laughs> <laughs> or fair um, enough yeah, there's another game that came out recently that if I get it, I'll talk about it. But yeah, holding yeah, out for roguelikes. Yeah. yeah, I think I might get play. I've got Hades on Switch. I should really play it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'll play it. <laughs> maybe <I'll, laughs> just need to give it another chance. I feel like I didn't. I just yeah. <laughs> but you got uh, Ace Combat uh, yeah. and Dead Space and uh, that yeah. other one, the music. Yeah, one. I've got a prescription. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like a. Of course I'm gonna. Of course I'm gonna do that to myself. Just give myself all these projects, because that's just me. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah. hey, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm at that. You played Dead Space, right? Like ages ago. Yeah, I played the original one. Yeah. So I've come across. So basically, I'm at the part of the game where I've come across. Sorry, spoilers. I've come across the Hunter, which is like the Mister X type 
unstoppable force. Like you, mm. you kind of face him a few times. So I've just, I've had my first encounter with him, and I'm coming up to the second encounter with him, which apparently is, so like a, um, yeah. So, uh, so and he's like he's just like fucking scary as shit. And I think I think the thing, and and uh, of course like Dead Space learnt from like Resident Evil, like in terms of things like that like so i understand like very deliberate like stand shoot move stand shoot move look for resources things are around the corner um so it's kind of like i don't know i, I just like i i was very enthralled by it at the beginning but now i'm just like i just know now that i kind of know that okay all right look in this corner uh, now i just know that okay these are just like popping out of it like it's programmed to pop out so I'm just like expecting it now. It's oh just yeah. like it's not as fun. Mm. <laughs> but you know, I guess it is a game from 2008. So it's just it looks pretty, but the fundamental mechanics are still the same. Well, in that case, like what you're describing, like just expecting attacks happening, that just yeah. kind of that sounds like it's um, the game director, like the yeah, Left 4 Dead style thing. thing yeah, because like, yeah. they added that to the game, which kind of makes yeah. me wonder how different it can be. Because like RE4 yeah. had a similar thing ish, like it wasn't a director, but it like would change up how the playthrough yeah. went over time, you know? Yeah, and the thing is like sometimes like checkpoints are like really wide apart, so it's just like you, you just like you just die in the most bullshit of reasons. You're just like, oh, really? Are you serious? Like this is <laughs> stupid. Uh, but anyway, we'll, we'll see. Maybe I'll um, maybe I'll forgive it and give it another chance. <laughs> not uh, waste all that money he's found I, know, I don't know. I know there's something about full price games that, I don't know yeah. I'm just a cheapskate I guess well not cheap yeah. I'm just that was a game that like wasn't discounted anywhere and the only places I discounted it was on like EA Play and I'm like oh, I want to get on Steam so that I can truck my like how many hours I played and my achievements because I don't know what EA's doing on the, like I'm one of those people now I'm like oh, it's not on Steam can't be bothered like I have um I have control on, like, I, th- I think it, I got it free with like Epic Games. On Epic, yeah, yeah, and same with well. um, same with uh, Death Stranding. But it's like, oh, but then I, if I played on Steam, I could get Steam achievements and track it on Steam. But then I have to pay for it. <laughs> it's just it, it would be nice if Epic, because yeah. I don't mind using Epic. Like, yeah. okay, like I do wish I had more tracking stuff because it's yeah. not super important to me, but it is like. It's one it's of those cool. minor things where it's like you can do it, Epic. Why aren't you doing this small thing where you tell me how long I've played? Because it's helpful yeah. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then, but I think Death Stranding is also on Xbox. Oh, sorry, on PC Game Pass. So, oh, yeah. but I think the one on that isn't the director's cut. It's like the original one. So it's like, man. It's well, the <laughs> Epic one isn't that either. No, I managed to get it on the director's cut. Apparently, uh, the one I have is a director's cut, not the normal one. Oh, okay. So they, my, I've, like, I went because <laughs> when you got like, yeah, because we would have done the same thing where we got the yeah. free version of it when it was during the yeah. Christmas, um, yes, two week yes. thing, and mine one just has like a bunch of bonuses, and yeah. like they're not labeled properly because it's epic. It's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> so like, they changed it halfway through the day from the director's cut to the normal version. Oh. So uh, <laughs> maybe because okay. like you're in Perth, maybe you woke up a couple hours later than me. And and by the time you got to it, maybe it got updated to like they swapped it out. They did a switcheroo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
Well, I'm sure I won't play it anyway. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. I think I was more likely to play like the PS5 version because it yeah. has the adaptive triggers and stuff. So yeah. I don't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I think that's as good a good a point as any to uh, to end this episode. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. As always, you can go over to doublejump.co to find links to all of our social pages and our Discord. Um, John, my friend, thank you, thank you so much again for another like awesome episode. Um, uh, I'm glad that we had some positive news mixed in with the negative, which is which is always good. Um, yeah, it's always, um, always <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there wasn't much actually. That was the menstrual leave thing, and I guess a team not getting laid off by CD. Yay! Players. We'll take that. <laughs> we'll take that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll we'll see what happens over the next week. Hopefully, nothing too dramatic. No, let's just hope it's only positive. Uh, I really want to hear. Who knows? Maybe some. Maybe Sony might comment on its on these weird happenings that are going on in the background but we'll, we'll find out for sure but yeah uh, John thank you so much always a pleasure um, yeah thanks for being here really looking forward to hearing your your review of Dungeons and Dragons Sophie. maybe we'll have a chat about that next week <laughs> will it be as negative as it is who knows <laughs> but yeah um, thank you so much everyone for listening and until next time look out for one another peace yeah